This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Uh, in BC, Supreme Court, uh, a, a, a Dutch man uh, is on trial. He's pleaded not guilty to all charges in connection with the tormenting of British Columbia teen Amanda Todd, who ultimately took her life 10 years ago. It all started um, uh, way back in 2012 with her death. Now, he was extradited to Canada in 2020. He faces charges of extortion, possession of, possession of child pornography, communication with a young person to commit a sexual offense, and criminal harassment, okay? Um, the Crown alleges that this guy, uh, Aidan Coben, came into possession of explicit media that showed Todd bearing her breasts, okay? That's what it was. It was a picture of her bearing her breasts. He then got a hold of that picture, got a hold of her, and leveraged that, basically extorted her, blackmailed her, threatened to expose this unless she did more and more and more and more. Now, the Crown alleges he used all kinds of fake accounts to do this, and it lasted for years, ultimately driving her to the point where she took her own life in 2012. Scary, scary stuff. But unfortunately, I don't think it's all that uncommon to see this kind of activity happen. So we're going to get some insight here from Caitlin Mendez, an associate professor of sociology and the Canada Research Chair in Inequality and Gender. Caitlin, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us here today. Thanks so much for having me. You know, as disturbing as it is, and, you know, this case is putting a a spotlight on this kind of activity, obviously, um, it's very common, this kind of activity, isn't it? Uh, It is. So of lots of activities that we're talking about here today, anything from receiving unwanted sexual images, from getting pressure to send sexual images, and to these cases like what we're seeing here with cyber stalking, cyber harassment, and sextortion. When we talk about this, the way that this case played out, it started with her taking a picture that, you know, admittedly she said was dumb. Um, but it was it was rather innocuous, you know, in her mind and her way of thinking. But the way it was leveraged and used against her, this pattern of escalation, is that common? Is that typically how this plays out? Um, well, it really depends on the circumstances. So I would say it's not that uncommon. So we actually call this image-based sexual abuse. And I think this is a new way. I'm actually really glad that you're kind of putting the emphasis here, not just on what she did and why it was so dumb, but about the ways that these images are shared non-consensually, that it was used as a form of, you know, targeted harassment, extortion against her. And I'm really, really happy to hear that the conversation is focusing on what he did. Of course, yeah. And not necessarily just on on what she did. But no, it's it's, um, certainly not that uncommon. So I've just completed um, a really large research study in the UK with a number of colleagues we were talking to high school students there and these sorts of practices you know even if it hasn't happened to students personally they absolutely know of people who it it has happened to and even in the research that we did so we did a survey of 556 young people we had um, anywhere between 13 and 30 young people tell us about these sorts of things so either where they had images that they took 
um, consensually that were then used against them for extortion or people who they call it honey trapping, who were contacting them for the purposes of getting images that they would then try to use to extort them. Okay, so just to walk through, if people aren't familiar with the case, he got a hold of this picture um, mm-hmm. and then said, hey, I'm going to send, he actually did send it to his mo- her yeah. mom, um, he but he said, I'm going to send it to your school, I'm going to send it to all of your friends and all this sort of yeah. stuff, unless you do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine being a kid and feeling completely trapped, so she did. And it just yeah. went on and on and on. Um, in, in, in that kind of a situation, did you have kids telling you that they've run into that as well? Obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're saying allegedly with this guy, we're not going to convict this yeah, guy, but sure. yeah, um, sure. in other instances, I mean, these, these people, it seems like this is pretty well rehearsed. They have a plan. They know what they're doing. It wasn't their first time. They weren't just making it up as they go. It seems like there's a, almost a playbook they're following. Exactly. So these are predators who are deliberately grooming and targeting um, young people. And I mean, there was even a case last week, a boy in the, in the United States who ended up taking his own life and had the same situation happen to him where someone came online, pretended to be a young girl, sent him nude images, asked him for nudes in return, and then demanded money. And it wasn't a huge amount of money. But one of the things that I think is really striking about these cases is that young people rarely turn to adults for help. And one of the reasons why they don't turn to adults for help is because the message that they're constantly being told is only an idiot would send a nude image right. or don't send nude images. And one thing, you know, um, you know, I heard you just talking um, before about, you know, um, you know, parents are always warning kids, just don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Well, the reality of kind of the current dating situation is that young people do send nude or intimate images to each other. So if the message that they're getting is don't do it, then when they do do it and something goes wrong, they rarely ask for help. They try to deal with it on their own. So yes, we certainly had a number of young people who told us about um, self-harm, about cutting. Uh, We had one, because we also spoke to parents, we had one parent whose daughter attempted suicide, you know, kind of in light of all of these experiences. So I think one thing that we really have to kind of move away from is this abstinence message, Right. you know, assuming that young people will never send intimate images of themselves. Obviously, as a parent, you know, I have kids. I'm hoping that, you know, my children, uh, I'd prefer it if they don't, but what I'd really like to do is prepare them for a world where we think about things like ethics and consent and make sure we are clear to them that if you're ever in a situation like this, there are people that you can turn to for help. I hope my children will come and tell me if something like this happens rather than, um, you know, the worst-case scenario, taking taking their own lives. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And you can imagine how they feel trapped. I mean, and you're right. We, I think we all know. We, we, we tell our kids not to do this, that, and the other thing, knowing full well they're probably going to do it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the way we handle this as a society, as you say, we're sitting here talking about cyberbullying. Um, yeah. To me, that seems inadequate. I mean, cyberbullying covers a lot of other things. Not this. This seems yeah. more than that. I 100% agree, and this is one thing that myself and many, many other people argue, is that what happened here is not cyberbullying. This is a targeted predator who is extorting young people, you know, a young woman, grooming someone, soliciting child pornography, 
Um, this is not cyberbullying. And in fact, I think there's there's a big debate of, like amongst academics about is cyberbullying like a useful term? And I think the argument that most of us come to is that it is not. We need to start thinking about what's happening online in terms of the specific behaviors. And some of them are legal, some of them are illegal. Um, but rather than just grouping it all together and saying this is a form of cyberbullying, it's not. You know, this is this was illegal activity. This was predatory. This was harassment. This was um, extortion. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really happy to be having this conversation. Do we often, when it comes to technology and the internet and things like that, we're playing catch up when it comes to law and legislation. Do we have the kind of laws in place to enforce this kind of, um, you know? criminal behavior and make sure that it doesn't happen. And when it does, we punish it properly. Because if if you and I are talking about cyberbullying, and that's sort of what it's being called, uh, does the legal system look at it and say, no, 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 this isn't bullying. This this is absolutely criminal of behavior that needs to be prosecuted. Yeah, the thing to remember is that the laws were created before the technology came into play. Right. So there are very few laws that deal with this specific incidents. I think in this case, uh, there's been able to kind of be a prosecution because it was an adult who was targeting a, a, you know, a, a minor. And so I think that when we have that cases of clear kind of age discrepancy, it's easier to prosecute. It is much, much, much more difficult to prosecute when it's two, for example, young people, two minors who are doing this to one another. So the laws are very different. Um, you know, often one of the laws that's actually used to kind of get justice for for victims, for example, who have images that are circulated online, is actually around copyright. So that's one of the laws that's kind of used the most to get images taken down. But that's really, you know, worrying that there aren't these laws that are that are there to regulate uh, digital spaces. And there's also a lot of misunderstanding about the laws and which laws are, are used. So in Canada, for example, we watch a lot of American television programs. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think young people are also getting, you know, um, they're they're getting they're getting uh, the wrong message. So they're being told, for example, that you know it's illegal for you to take an intimate image of yourself and send it to someone. Um, you know, if it's between two consensual parties, um, you know you rarely get prosecuted. Sorry, if they're both within a similar age. If you're right. young and sending it to an adult, that's different. But if it's say two teenagers who are sending them sending each other intimate images, you know they're not going to prosecute you. They're not going to charge you with child pornography. As long as they can show that you know these images were consensually taken and shared, uh, I mean that makes sense. That's the way it's been with so many other things. It's when it gets into the wrong, when it's used the wrong way, and uh, I mean it's it's just it's a whole. It really is a Pandora's box, Caitlin, and, and you can see how it can just go in so many different directions, and uh, it's 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 frightening, is what it is. Yeah, and it's a whole new world, and I think what's the most challenging thing is that you know people who are from a, an older vintage. They don't understand the digital technology. Yeah. They don't understand how it works. This isn't how they dated. This isn't how they related to other people. Um, and so that is like a really, really big issue is that the older people in, you know, in children's lives just don't understand the world that they're living in. And a lot of times they're terrified of it. You know? So even a, a, a platform like Snapchat uh, which is where images are sent and shared to one another and they get deleted. This is something that a lot of parents know that their teens are using. They have no idea how it works. They don't maybe understand the risks involved. And then we also have the other end of the issue where young people, one of the things that they generally won't tell their parents or teachers if something goes wrong, but they might report it to the platform. 
But these platforms have time and time again proven that they are not dealing with these kinds of issues. So they just kind of say, well, the image is gone, we can't do anything about it. So they rarely take action. And then young people learn, well, there's no one who is actually going to kind of vouch for me, who's going to support me. Or there may be other helplines, but they want anonymous helplines. They want helplines because they're scared that it's going to get back to their parents. Yeah. Um, and I think this is something we really need to be thinking about as a society. If we want young people to be coming forward, we need to be providing the conditions where they feel safe, where they feel as though they're going to be heard, where they maybe have a say in what happens next. And, you know, we have a long way to go in, in, in getting that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it really is uh, something that we got to try and get a handle on. Caitlin, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us.